It's uh, always good to be here. Thank you. It's a privilege and uh, something that I don't uh, take lightly is the, uh, the platform that uh, Srepta gives here. And I uh, just want to thank you all for, uh, for allowing me to be here. Um, but before we start, uh, just look at somebody next to you, look into their eyes. Ask them this question, are you still with us? If you've got any doubt, say to them, come back, we need you. (laughs) A bit like Rose on the Titanic, Jack, come back, come back. All right, uh, we need you. Good. um, I want to share today, um, which is, sure, I don't want to use the word culmination, but it's, it's, it's a journey I've been on for many, many years, um, and a journey that's beginning to make a little bit of sense to me. And uh, it's, it's something I want to share with you from, from a place of vulnerability, because in some ways I have no idea what I'm talking about. And that must give you incredible confidence. Um, but in some ways, it should give you incredible confidence, um, and, I, and I'm hoping that's going to uh, come, come out as we go along. Um, I'm actually hoping to just stand quite still, and I might even sit. Uh, I know Srept is probably one of the places that I can get this right, uh, because uh, I'm hoping just the, the words, uh, and again, I'm hoping this will make sense um, as we go along, uh, can bring healing, can bring um, transformation into our lives. Um, um, but the centering thought, which I want to just bring across today, uh, goes along these lines, um, Always the student. I am always the student. A person of faith is somebody who becomes the student. All right, so just want you to maybe reflect on that for a moment. I am always the student. To be a person of faith is to be the student. Right, and I uh, don't know whether you agree with that, but let's, uh, let's just begin to, uh, to play. Um, uh, four quick things, and hopefully I'm going to try and bring them together at the end. If I don't, just um, somebody put your hand up and say, hey, how did that relate to it? Because uh, they're four random things. Um, in 1984, I was in Standard 9, and I didn't believe I was going to see out the year, because in the Assemblies of God, there had been quite an active preach, which went something like this, Jesus is coming back. So 1984 was a magical year. And I was a little bit uh, traumatized by this because, uh, hey, I'm only 16 years old. (laughs) I haven't experienced uh, romance. I haven't experienced stuff, you know, and it was like, oh, Lord, can you delay this a little bit? Um, As you can see, the Lord answered my prayer. (laughs) 1984 has come and gone. And guess what we hear? Yeah. And uh, through the years of my journey as a Christian, I've heard these statements made over and over again to the extent that I could actually probably walk out of here with a huge amount of cynicism. And in some way, I find this my friend. Let's uh, leave that one there. Brilliant, brilliant writer, psychologist uh, by the name Brene Brown. She says these words. We need to have the courage to live in an imperfect world. How good is that, eh? We need to have the courage. What we cannot do is become paralyzed by our world. Our world demands courage. We cannot move into a place of resigned compliance. Courage. 
Um, another great author, uh, his name slipped my mind now, he says these words. Um, uh, he says, I wouldn't give a fruit, a fig, for the problem, this, for the solution this side of the problem. But I would give my right arm for the solution the other side of the problem. What is this uh, talking about? Uh, let's just think about it for a moment. I wouldn't give a, 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 a fig. Uh, I wouldn't give any thought for a solution to a complicated problem that's, that's a quick fix. He says, but I'd give my right arm for the solution that wades in the problem, that digs deep. Um, I'll think of his name now. Uh, lastly, um, I've, I've just recently read a story about Peter. Peter is an Australian. Uh, Peter is a top financial advisor. Peter works for a company where the top, top financial investors are his portfolio. One day, um, a guy's complaining that he's got to go and see this particular individual who is a very, very small client. And the guy's complaining. He's saying, what a waste of time. This guy works in scrap metal. And he's trying to fob this visit off onto others. Peter says, okay, I'll go. But Peter's the guy who works with the big stuff. Peter goes and sees this guy, and he walks into this guy's home, and it's full of cobwebs, and it's all in disarray. Um, and he begins to start talking to this particular individual. Um, and as he's sitting there, he's thinking poverty, he's thinking shame, poor this guy. But as they finish making the changes to this guy's policy, uh, he thinks, well, let's connect with this guy. And he says to him, what are your interests? And the guy says, I love cars. Oh, says Peter. guy says to him, would you like to come see some of my cars? Sure, says Peter. And they walk around to the back, and Peter says, I'm expecting to find another story of poverty. And he says, as we walk into the shed, is this whole array of the most amazing, expensive old cars. It works out that this guy is not just the worker. He's the owner of this massive scrap metal business. He has just moved into this house, uh, costing $1.4 million, and he, is, he has got so much. And over the years that develop, uh, Peter gets so much more business and also helps this guy fix up his house. Interesting story. Eh? All right, so in 1984, I didn't think I was going to get out of school. Yeah. That's why I didn't do so well in the exams in seminar. <laughs> My dad's here. So it's pretty much right. All right. Um, Brene Brown, we need to have the courage to live in an imperfect world. Um, I wouldn't give anything for a solution to the side of the problem. But that side, yes. Uh, Peter. So um, let me take you to a song. And I reckon this is my favorite psalm of all. Uh, I've got a love affair with the psalm, and it goes along these lines. Um, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like that. They are like the chaff that the wind quickly blows away. Therefore, they will not stand in the seat of judgment or in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. 
but the way of the wicked will perish. How's that? All right, uh, Psalm. Psalm 1, eh? I can almost stop at Psalm 1 and say, okay, you guys can have the rest. I'll take this one. All right, I want you to notice a couple of things that come out of that. Um, there, there's a comparison. But there's something about um, the uh, blessed is the man who meditates. Blessed is the man who chews. And in the Jewish way of thinking, a person of faith is somebody who digs, is somebody who continually seeks wisdom and insight. A person of faith is not somebody who gets a CNN two-minute version and is suddenly an expert. Isn't it funny how many of us make comments from two minutes of CNN? And we know so much. Um, yeah? All right, and we almost uh, have doctrine on, on, uh, on what some reporter said. That is not a person of faith. A person of faith is not somebody who listens to the preacher and says, oh, that's it. Yeah? And when we do that in our churches, we actually begin to take people out of faith. Yeah? If you don't move, walk away from today and actually scrum with what I've said and hopefully even disagree with me, then I haven't done my job. Yeah? So please, uh, I welcome conflict. How about that? All right. In the Jewish mind, the person of faith is somebody who digs deeper and deeper, and the outcome of that deeper is the tree. The digging deeper, it's not a transaction. It's not, oh, I'm going to dig deeper so that I get. The outcome of digging deeper is this broad perspective of growth and prosperity. It's just what happens. When we dig, when we seek, when we gain insight. Now, by the way, a good illustration of this, they say, is, is the cow. This sounds a little bit um, sickening. Because the cow, what does the cow do when it chews uh, grass or cud? It regurgitates it. It swallows it. And then, okay, let's bring this up again. Chews again. And this can be a process which goes on for quite a while. In the Jewish mind, the person of faith was almost first and foremost now a student, and that which they focused on led them into a broad and open space. That's an interesting word for, in Hebrew, the word for, uh, for Egypt is Misraim. And one of the interpretations of uh, Egypt goes along these lines, the narrow place. When the Bible says, I will take you to a land flowing with milk and honey, it's saying this, I'm, I'm going to take you from a narrow place to a place that is full of stuff. To leave Egypt is to leave a narrow way of thinking and to become the student where we go deeper and deeper into milk and honey. It's an interesting thought. Okay. So that's the first thing I get as I just quickly uh, engage this psalm is, is we are students and faith is about depth. Cool. Good, let's uh, carry along our journey. Um, Faith is about growth. In season, it bears its fruit and it grows. People sometimes say this to me, and this is a little bit of a 
It's like a Muhammad Ali, I'm going to hit you in the gut. Yeah, let's, uh, let's go. Um, people often say, I've got 20 years' experience in my job. I say, that's fantastic. Um, uh, do you possibly have one year 20 times, though? Bit of a scary thought, eh? Oh, now I've done this for 20 years. Ah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Um, have you grown the last year? Is it the same year 20 times? And to be a person of faith as you dig deeper and deeper, it's a process, it's a morphing that takes place. And I begin to grow in my knowledge and my understanding. And therefore, I should not be surprised if I stand here today and I say to Barry, Barry, I see that differently to the way I saw 10 years ago. It's not that I was wrong 10 years ago, but there's been a process of stuff happening in me and I'm seeing it differently today. And by the way, in 10 years' time, I might be standing here and say, hey, guys, I just want to really, really apologize. Um, you know, um, 10 years ago, I was, I was thinking, and that is not enemy, that is potentially friend, because I'm supposed to be churning. Einstein says this, um, um, to keep your balance in life, you need to keep moving. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Sometimes I think the biggest error is not whether you're going in the wrong direction. It's, are you standing still? Are you standing still? We should be growing. We should be uh, uh, getting deeper. The person of faith is a student. The person of faith is a person who experiences a morphing. And who I am today is not who I will be in 10 years' time. All right? And this has been part of my challenge in the last 10, 15 years as I've been going through a journey and it's sort of saying, Lord, what's happening here? I think I hear the whisper of God and it goes something like this, you growing, you morphing. And guess what? You're not there. There is always more, Milan said to us always uh, early on today. There is always more. Thirdly, uh, the person of faith takes us into a place of tension. It's a very interesting thought in the psalm that says... um, uh, the righteous will be in the place of the, the judgment. think to myself, is that a good thing? Aren't I supposed to be trying to avoid the judgment? Someone says the righteous will be in the place of the judgment, the wicked won't. Quite weird, eh? Right? As we grow and as we learn, we begin to um, almost experience the It's almost a sense of judgment, and we experience a sense of tension where we say stuff, um, I don't really get this. I have found that the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. The more I learn, the more I realize I have no idea. And it's such a good place to be. When I was younger, I thought I could answer every question. Somebody would come to me and say, well, here's the answer. By the way, here's the scripture as well. That sorts it out. Now, I sometimes get to think, I say, I have, I have no idea what to tell, what to tell you. Um, and yet, it's, I know more. A great quote which goes along these lines, some people are more certain of everything than I am of anything. <laughs> and sadly, I need to be careful here because I don't want to become from a place of judgment. Sadly, I find people of faith often in that space. They're certain of everything. And... Uh, Some people are more certain of everything than I am of anything. All right? 
So a bit of an example around this is, um, uh, and I gave this example a couple of years ago, but uh, a few years ago, two years ago, I, I had the experience of driving in the most incredible mist. It was on a free state road in the early hours of the morning, and this mist went on for about an hour. It was quite scary. You know, when it's just this suffocating mist, and you are just sort of, you're almost fretting. Uh, will I respond uh, on this unknown road to the cow that suddenly comes into my path? Or will I see the truck that's... Um, and um, when we come into faith, faith is about there's more out there. I can move out mist. But here's the funny part is, uh, I can still remember that day, as I moved out the mist and I was near Harry Smith, um, all of a sudden, uh, it was the sun was just beginning to show signs of light to rise. And all of a sudden, I came out of this mist and into this broad and open space. And it was so glorious. Uh, and I could see the, uh, the silhouettes far on the, on the brilliant, awesome free state farms. And it was so freeing. And also, there was a tension which went along these lines. I could spend forever here because there's just so much to see. The mist had the comfort of, well, I think I've got this under control. There's mist. Paul asked me, what's the, what's the story of life? Oh, Paul, it's mist. Now I come out the mist and I go, whoa, there's so much here. It's not so simple, yet I'm seeing more. Are uh, you with me? Cool. So let's um, uh, look a little bit at uh, some examples in the New Testament. I'm aware of time, so we'll keep moving. Do you guys know that Jesus wasn't a Christian? Is somebody saying, no, 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 now I totally disagree with you. Uh, now we're in conflict. Uh, yeah, uh, Jesus, by the way, uh, if it destroys your theology, uh, yeah, he wasn't a Christian. He was Jewish. By the way, Paul as well. The term Christian was actually labeled, put on them by other people. Followers of Christ. They didn't set out to start a religion called Christianity. Very, very interesting. Sometimes I uh, think to myself, you know, if people ask me, you know, what do you believe or whatever, I say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, you know, I almost don't want the label of, uh, because that immediately, hey, I follow Jesus. But, but yeah. Uh, as a result, Jesus, Paul, and all these guys would have come out of this way of thinking, I'm a student. It's about growth and development. There's a tension that is okay. We don't need a black and white answer here. So let's take uh, Peter, for example. Uh, Peter, in the book of Acts, um, uh, gets taken out of the mist, and it's very, very uncomfortable for him because he sees his vision, and suddenly there's an opening, there's an open place that comes to him which says, uh, hey, let's share with you a little bit about what this is about. Peter, it's not just about you. For those of you who know where I am, it's, uh, it's the visions he has on the rooftop. And we, we notice from Scripture that Peter actually battles with this throughout his life. Because Paul has to correct him. We know of at least one time. Peter's, Peter's desire to go back to this is actually just more about us. But Peter moves into the open space. And the open space invariably blows our mind and it's open. It will go something like this. It's not just about you. Uh, let's take Paul. Um, there's an interesting trend which happens in some of Paul's letters. In some of Paul's early letters, he describes himself as Paul an apostle, called by God. 
In some of Paul's latest letters, his terminology begins to go something like this. Paul least of all the saints. In his final letter, which is um, in um, Timothy, goes something like this. Paul, worst of all sinners. Paul's knowledge is leading him along a path which goes something like this. I once was a really, really great apostle, and now I'm the worst of all the sinners. And guess what? He's more free than ever. The more he's learned, the more he says, I don't know. Here's an interesting thought. Um, Paul believed that he would uh, be around to see the coming of Jesus. It's clear in Scripture. Paul actually had a thought which goes something like this. In the next 20, 30 years, he's coming. And then Paul, towards the end of his journey, says, I've run the race. I know I'm going to go. Uh, Paul also was a bit like me in 1984. He thought God was coming, eh? Yeah. And it was okay. Because he realizes there's a, there's a growth taking place here. It's, Paul says this. He says, uh, now we look through a mirror veiled. Again, also towards sort of the end. Uh, he says, hey, the more I've done this, the more I know that this is veiled. Uh, Romans uh, is probably the book of doctrine. Romans tells us everything about what we believe. It talks about uh, uh, justification, uh, sanctification. It talks about uh, as just, uh, the, the real root problem, uh, Romans 1, 2. Uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11 becomes really hairy because Paul talks about the Israel chosen and all these different things and Pharaoh uh, being a vehicle of, of God. And then he gets to the end of uh, Romans 11, and this is how he ends. He says, who can understand this? How wide, how great, how, how, how intriguing, how... Come on, Paul, you've just taken us through the whole company strategy, and then you get to this point and you say, no, I have no clue. Let me be careful here. He does have a clue, but yet in that, he is... This is so... The, the tension... I know, and yet I don't know. I love God, and I understand God, and then God is just so totally understandable. Our faith, we sometimes say this to people, come to Jesus, and we've got the answers for you. We should say, come to Jesus, and we're going to blow your mind with absolute answers you cannot understand. Because to engage Christianity is to engage the absolute absurdity that God becomes a man and goes onto a cross. Paul says this, he says, uh, therefore for the Greeks and the Jews or whatever, it's a, it's a stumbling block. It's, it's, it's something they can't comprehend. Uh, it's, it's unfathomable. Do you know an interesting thought why God has so many names? Because one of the ways of, of defining something that cannot be described is to give them many names. He's like that, he's like that, he's like that, he's like that, he's like that. Oh, by the way, we have no idea what he's like. He is so big. He's the Rose of Sharon. He's the Lily of the Valley. He's this, he's that, he's that. Um, and that's what Jesus would have come from, which Paul would have come from, which says, when we come to faith, this is welcome to the adventure of discovery. Which means I should wake up every single day and it's like, what am I discovering today? My vocabulary should go from places such as I've got the answer for you to sometimes saying, I don't know. 
it should go from uh, spaces uh, along these lines which says, um, I think, that's what I'm sort of getting. I'm hearing God say something like, yeah? It should go to places like, how phenomenal. You should have seen what I discovered today. It should go from places of, um, hey, my thinking's grown. Because that is the journey that we're in. And it's absolutely beautiful. It's an interesting thought. We live in a world which is all about facts. Give us the facts. In the Hebraic thinking, it's what's the truth. That's why to enter into conversations and debate about Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is an absolute waste of time. Because I think we all know that Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is not a science book. Yeah? It's conveying truth that God is here, we are here. When this began, it was all good. And guess what? It ends back in a garden or a city in Revelation where it's all good. It's pointless to have the debate because it's not a fact book. It's, it's, a, it's engaging us in this wonderful, wonderful place of truth. And so as I sit here and I look at uh, you all, um, it really is a, a, um, it's an invitation to, um, to go deeper, to find the excitement of the student for me to make peace and say, it's okay that some guys thought in 1984 God was coming. Because uh, that's what we do. Uh, maybe they just needed to say it a bit more tentatively. Yeah? yeah. Just, um, hey. Because after all, the Bible does say no, no man knows. Um, it's okay, actually, sometimes for me to listen to somebody and he sees it differently. That's all right. We're in this journey. So let's go back to Psalm 1. And I want to just... Uh, end with, uh, with uh, this. And I, I want to try and take us into quite a bit of a meditational space. Um, in Hebrew, there's a word called pardes. Now, in Hebrew, the, uh, the, the, uh, there's no vowels. So, in actual fact, it's just um, uh, P-R-D-S. And we have to put English vowels in just so that we can say the word. Each vowel is, each letter is a root letter with a with a whole host of thinking beneath it. The P of Pardes um, is, is a word which, which is called Peshat. And Peshat goes something like this. When I'm, when I'm interrogating, when I'm trying to understand the interpretation of Scripture, I first and foremost start off with, what's the simple? What do I get out of this that is just Simple. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And so I might take the psalm and I begin to ask myself the question, Mike, what's the simple meaning that I'm getting out of this? Uh, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The wicked are not like that. And as I just meditate on this portion of scripture and I just say, hey, what's the simple meaning of this? I might come up with a simple meaning which just is, uh, hey, um, there's a choice here. To be righteous or to be wicked. And God is for those who are righteous. As you play with that psalm, you might come up with a whole lot of other simple meanings. But I read it and I just begin to sort of say, hey, what's the simple meaning over here? We then go to the R of Pardes, which is a word called Ramez. 
And Ramez goes something like this, how do I link this to other things? You can see how the Jewish mind begins to work. What are the links? So let's think about it for a moment. If you're thinking of this psalm about a tree and, and fruit and stuff like this, um, what might be one or two links that you immediately begin to make? Which goes, oh, yes, that connects me with that. Anybody, just want to throw something out. What's a link we might make? Sorry? Uh, could go to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, yeah. And we might actually begin to sort of say, I wonder how this relates to the tree. It's interesting that trees are often coming out. You see, I'm the student. I'm beginning to dig. What are the links that take place? Uh, maybe I make a link to Moses coming from Mount Sinai and he says, I lay before you choice. Choice. You will be blessed if you do this. Ah, guys, there are problems if you do this. Um, I might go to um, 1 Peter. Um, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so I say, wow, just like there's a separation between the wicked and the righteous, so too I make a link to, uh, to this beautiful people we are. And so as I read Psalm 1, I just begin to sort of say, hey, what, where does this link to other stuff? I'm not just reading a psalm and closing the Bible and just say, oh, there we go, I've read a psalm today. No, I've looked for what is the simple, how does this address me? Uh, secondly, um, what's the links? How does this connect? Because I know I'm going to find open free state farms as I begin to do this. Yeah? Uh, it's interesting to note in the New Testament, they're always making links. Yeah? Uh, Matthew will say something like this, and what he was talking about referred to that. Links. All right, so that's the remez. Um, then we get durash, the D. The durash is the commentary of the scripture. It's almost like you're writing a journal and saying, when I read Psalm 1, this is how it applies to my life. And I begin to almost write a, a commentary on it. Uh, this is what it means for me in the context of my life today. In Jewish thinking, it, it goes something like this as well. It says, when I read Psalm 1 today, the interpretation and the commentary I get around it will be different uh, next year this time because next year this time my life's in a different space. And I'm applying it in this different place. All right, so that would be um, this, this whole thing of uh, durash. Um, this would also be applying it to other knowledge, even Medi uh, science, uh, medicine. Here's an interesting thing. Uh, do you know, um, you guys were talking about Thanksgiving. Do you know that neuroscience has proved, proved this um, by monitoring what happens in people's brains? Um, don't know why we created like this, but it goes along these lines. Uh, when something negative happens to me, I don't know if I might have shared this before, but if something negative happens to me, um, if I'm driving home and somebody cuts me off, I don't have to sit in my car and say, Mike, please remember that. Please remember that. Uh, you must remember that. that. That guy did that to you. Are you like me? If somebody does something bad to me, I don't have to remember it. It's stuck. It's there. Yeah? Uh, and uh, neuroscience has shown that, that when bad happens, um, it's there. Um, if I say to Jan, Jan, I want to share with you 10 things about your life. But by the way, this is great. Uh, none of them are brilliant. Jan, you're so friendly. You've got a lovely smile, blah, blah, blah. Oh, Jan, one thing. Uh, you really, really need to change this. What does Jan think about in bed tonight? Yeah. How could he say that? All right. Uh, uh, you guys like me? Yeah. Cool? Why? When something good happens to us, 
Unless we reflect and meditate on it, we forget it. And thinking goes something like this. You have to spend at least 15, 30 seconds to say, hey, what Yoki did for me, they were so good. Uh, he didn't have to do that. He stepped out of himself. He sacrificed. They were so good. And the reflection on it causes the sticking. They say uh, the negative thought is like Velcro. The positive thought is like Teflon. I don't know. Why did God make us like this? Or maybe, well, or maybe it goes something like this. Um, we need to spend time reflecting on that which is good. What does Paul say to us? Think on that which is good. Think on that which is pure. Think on that which is... Uh, these were guys who didn't understand that. And now I take this stuff and I might apply it in a form of commentary. Oh, by the way, if we really get into science and stuff like this, um, when I move into places of gratitude, it releases a different chemical in my brain, in my cells. A wonderful chemical called oxytocin. It moves me away from uh, our dopamine-driven states of just needing to get things done. And so, again, just in our bodies, there's this incredible thing. When I meditate, it's releasing something different in me. These guys don't even know that stuff, but they knew it. All right? I might make that commentary. The final word is the word sod. And sod goes something like this. What's the magic? What's the mystical thing that is in this? Now, this might be a bit more difficult. This is going to take some digging. This might be contemplation for a long time as I chew and I bring it up, chew and bring it up, chew and bring it up. What's in this that's not the simple? That's not just a link. That's not a commentary, but it's like this blows your mind. And do we believe that the scriptures can blow our mind? I think Kathy did a little bit of it to us for us today where she created that uh, sort of Jesus was thanking for... Uh, what he was going to do. Like, how mind-blowing is that? And guess what, Kathy? When you meditate on it again, you're going to find the next magical thing. Again, based on the context of our lives. And as I think of Psalm 1, here's an interesting thought. Do you know that uh, when uh, Jewish people are in a synagogue, um, that they take the scrolls, the Torah, out of the ark, and they actually run and they dance because the, um, the word is life. It's to be danced with. And they run and they dance when the rabbi puts it back in there, he, he thanks God for the word of God, which is like a tree. The psalmist is actually saying something like this. Um, as we meditate on it, we become or we become ba uh, baptized or engrossed or submerged in. It's almost like we become the re resemblance of God's word, which is the tree. Now, no. yeah, you've got to chew on this, which goes something like this. But let's think about this. Is it any wonder that John starts off, which says, in the beginning was the, the word. Jesus says, I've come to fulfill all the law. And if you come to me, you come into me. I heard this brilliant illustration um, a little while back, and it goes along these lines. Um, we're in God, God's in us, but this is sort of how it works. Imagine um, a shipwreck in a sea. The shipwreck is in the sea, and the sea is in the shipwreck. But the sea is pretty, pretty vast. Although we say the, 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 the sea's in the shipwreck, the shipwreck's in the sea, there's a major sort of waiting problem here. Because, yes, I am in the sea, and there's the whole vast... Oh, I 
could use some slang here, you know, to, uh, to get it out. Yeah, but there's this whole vast sea in which, which is God. Is it any wonder Paul goes and he says, how inconceivable as we engage these things. So, Sir Repta, um, are you a student? My huge concern within the church um, and uh, faith is that just too many people have stopped being the student. And remember, it's a student out of a place of desire. It's a student which says, as I dig deep here, I see open farmlands. I move out of mist. But it's quite, I've got to be quite, Brene Brown here, I've got to be quite courageous because it's going to blow my mind as well. It's so vast, it's so big. I want to encourage you um, to, uh, to get hold of the Word of God, to try and lose defensiveness. If people disagree with you about stuff, that's okay. Yeah? To dig deep, uh, remember the, just that simple thing. Um, uh, what's the simple meaning here? Most of us stop there. Hey, how does this link? How, um, what's the commentary? Interesting thought. In the Talmud, which is, uh, which is Hebrew commentary, which has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years, um, uh, they would do something like this. Um, the rabbi who was commentating in the Talmud, uh, they would capture his stuff, even if he was totally, totally seemingly off the path. Because the thinking goes like this. In 500 years' time, he might be proven to be right. Yeah. So let me just, uh, one last thought. Faith does bring assurance. So we're not like totally confused people here. Faith brings assurance of my identity. Faith brings assurance of an outcome. Faith releases me into absurdity, where I often don't always know the answers. But I do have assurance, and this is Hebrews 11, of where this is all going. Cool. And I love the adventure of where we're going in this wonderful space of growth and development. Mike, Ivy, you are always the student. Never become the professor. The death of the professor is the beginning of learning. Any professors here? Okay, well, um, Sorry, sorry, sorry. We need professors. Lord, we thank you for um, we thank you for riches. Um, Jesus often referred to searching. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's interesting that he uses such analogy. It's like a pearl that is lost. We thank you that every single one of us have woken up into the most miraculous world. It's full of trouble, but those who seek, find. Those who ask, receive. May we be people who are continuously in a place of growth. And to this we surrender. 
May we not be a people who are easily offended. Who just choose to see something but never go deeper and say, okay, let me dig into this. Because we realize that as we dig and as we just go deeper, um, understanding that you are above us and that you are the creator of all this, as in Proverbs, uh, wisdom calls out to us. May we be those people. And as we do so, we thank you that the natural outcome is people of growth, people of prosperity, people whose fruit is in season, people who will enter into the judgment. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, see me. We thank you that one day the veil will be removed. Until then, we're going to enjoy this digging. And we pray that blessing upon this group of people right now. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, we pray these things. Amen.